Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today we are on location in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We have a very, very special guest here today. Her name is Emily. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm great. How are you? Oh, great, great. I uh, love coming to D.C. and uh, being out here and seeing you guys. And uh, So what's going on today? How you been? Well, we've been busy. Okay. It's been very busy. Um, we both work in politics, which I know we're not talking about, but we, uh, we've had a, 2018 was a good year, but it was a really busy year. So we are taking a minute to visit with friends. We, I mean, I haven't seen, we, first thing we said when you walked in, I haven't seen you in months. So we're just kind of taking a breath here in January. That's a beautiful thing. Well, I'm glad you Self-care. had time. Well, I'm glad you had time to get on no picture of the dark podcast. Yeah, this is something else I'm excited to be on. So uh, I've known you for five years and um, through, and uh, it's been a great friendship. And uh, I remember you telling me something near and dear to your heart. And um, I want to give the people a background about you before we even get into that. Uh-huh. Uh, you're from Michigan. I mean, I hear the accent. I know that listeners can hear that. But uh, Michigan, where are Michigan? What's going on? Well, so I'm from Metro Detroit. Um, I, for your listeners, so they have a little background. I have been dating Aaron's best friend ish, best friend ish Garrett for the past five years. We met in Michigan and I grew up just outside of Detroit, about 20 minutes away in, um, a beautiful town called Birmingham. I, it's like not Birmingham, Alabama, right? not Birmingham, okay, Alabama, okay. Birmingham, Michigan. It's like your typical postcard town. Um, you know, I had a bunch of friends. I played lacrosse. I figure skated for 13 years competitively. Um, so, you know, it's just like a normal upbringing, but it was, um, it's a special place outside. Detroit is a special place and it's a special place in my heart. Um, so it was fun to grow up around. Well, thank you for uh, telling listeners a little bit about Michigan. Um, yes. Put Michigan on the map here. And um, you have a situation that's going on in your life that you're a big advocate of. And um, yeah, go ahead. Please explain to listeners. Well, so <clears throat> I am turning 34 this year, but when I was 27. So this five years ago, just about five years ago, almost six years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, and for people who aren't familiar with multiple sclerosis, it is a disease that it's an autoimmune disease, which means that your immune system attacks your body, but specifically with MS, it attacks your nervous system. So your brain and your spinal cord. And it does that by eating away at the myelin shift, which is, if you think about a wire, it eats away at the coating of the wire. So if you don't, if you lose that coating, the wire doesn't really work right, which is, so that's when people have problems with walking or movement of some kind. So I was diagnosed with MS at 27. I was your typical 27 year old gal. I was healthy. I, you know, I had the, I had twice a year sinus infection, but by all other aspects, I was really healthy. So 
I was working at a company where I was doing um, corporate marketing, but I was also at that time, I was also working on the um, President Obama reelection campaign. So I was as busy as one could be, right? Like my whole life was scheduled down to the minute where I closed my eyes and went to sleep to when I woke up in the morning. So in October of 2012, I had, I was at work and I had this very specific pain behind my right eye. And the pain, the only way that I can really describe it is it hurt every time to move my eye. So think about just like the very little movements that your eye makes, even when you shut your eyelids, it hurt like a searing pain to move my eye. And I thought that my eyes were just strained, right? Like I'm like, you know, I'm working essentially two jobs and I'm, you know, on a computer all the time. I thought my eyes were really strained. So I was like, you know, after the election, I I should go to the eye doctor and see if I need glasses. You know, so that's kind of like where it all started. And then throughout the month of October and into December or into November and December, I started to have almost total numbness along the right side of my body and, um, tingling some weakness. I did have some trouble walking, um, towards the end of the year. And it, it was quite possibly the most terrifying thing ever, because at the time that I actually got sick in October, I was like one month away from having like Cadillac health insurance. So what I had at the time. So what is Cadillac insurance? Is well, like a, I mean, it's is, like that's, that's really a, that's a great Michigan. insurance. Is that because Michigan and Cadillacs are built in Michigan? It's actually not, okay. but, I know I, but okay. maybe it is. I don't know. It's just like, at what point in time a Cadillac used to be like the best car you could get. So I think that is kind of the way the old timey sense, you know, saying, but it's good insurance, right? Like I was covered under at that point in time, which is no longer a thing anymore. Thank God. I had like catastrophic health insurance. So to even walk into the doctor's office, I had to pay out of my pocket. And I knew that I was going to have to have an MRI because of what was happening with my eye. I had done enough Googling at this point that I knew it was really serious, but I didn't, I, 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 I couldn't afford to figure out what was wrong right away. So I was one month away. So I just, the entire month of October, I was just sick and I was damn near blind in one, in my right eye by the time I actually saw a doctor. And that first doctor, she ordered a MRI of my brain and my, uh, my eyes and they misread the MRI. So what she told me was, is that I had a migraine and that was what was causing the whole eye situation. And that I must have carpal tunnel. And that's what was causing the numbness and tingling in my right arm. 
And I was not satisfied with that answer, especially because not long after that, I was losing feeling in my torso and in my leg. And so it it was very clear that I needed a second opinion. And so I went into another neurologist. I got into another neurologist and I have to say for anybody who is, um, potentially thinking about a career in medicine, become a neurologist. It is extraordinarily hard to get into a neurologist. It is, they, they are not, um, easy to come by. So by the time I had actually gotten into a new doctor and they started the process because the only way really you can get diagnosed with MS is to rule a whole bunch of other shit out. So I spent months going through tests and eventually in February of 2013, I was diagnosed with MS. So from the beginning, when you started, your eyes started hurting mm-hmm. to the end. How long was that? I, how long was that? And so you got diagnosed. Probably six weeks. From So when you first, I, so that's not too long or the feel it like It feels eternity. long. It feels like an eternity. Okay. When you can't really see out of it and it's a searing pain every so, time it moves. When you hear that news, mm-hmm. you're young, mm-hmm. you're doing things like a normal- I was single. Okay. Which actually, no, but that okay. is a real, like, okay. that's a, that's a real thing because I remember that I remember the day that they told me literally like it was yesterday. So what, so what went through your mind? What went through your mind? You went by yourself to the doctor, obviously. Yeah. You had no support system there. What goes, I mean, that's catastrophic in my mind. Like to hear something like that. Yeah. What, I mean, because the thing about MS is there's no warning. I could wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk. That's the reality. Now that's, that's a very exaggerated reality because it's unlikely to happen Right. But the reality of the situation is I could wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk or swallow. So did you know anything about MS at that point or? I had two friends whose moms died from MS at that point in time. That's, that is what I knew about it. Okay. So when I wasn't super jazzed. What is your next step? I mean, what, I mean, how do you. What do, I mean, I'm just like I said, get our the viewers trying to figure out like, you know, you have insurance now. Yeah. At that point in time, I had insurance. And you did a good job. with MS. Mm-hmm. Your world's turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And you said you're single at this point. Mm-hmm. It's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you just have to think like that's a lot for one person to take on, let alone trying to take it on and then maybe meeting somebody like you think to yourself, like, who is going to want to fucking deal with this? I don't even want to deal with it. And so it was just very, um, it was scary. It was really scary because you make plans for what you think your life is going to be. And when something radically changes that, it's, it's devastating in a way where you actually grieve. And so- I spent a long time. Well, I don't know that it was that long. I spent a an, an amount of time grieving 
for the life that I thought I was going to have. Did you, at any point when they told you that diagnosis that life would end quicker, did you have, did you find, like I always tell people it's like a deep, dark path you start mm-hmm. your mind in. Yeah. Did you get to get... I mean, I'm not trying to get personal. Yeah, first, no, that, that's a, a good question. You should get a psychologist to get your mind focused back on the path saying, hey, this is going to, we're going to work, make this work. I'm going to live my best life. Yeah. Like, where do you, what is one's mindset? Because you're living proof that right now. Uh-huh. So like, what's your mindset on that? That's a really good question. So I don't think for me, for me, I don't think it was ever like, um, mortality thing. Although I have thought about my mortality more than I think the average person has. Um, for me, my biggest fear is to not die. That I would be bedridden with a feeding tube and just like somebody's, you know, like that's that first of all, in my humble opinion, that is no way to live. And so, um, yeah, I think for me, I wasn't as scared to die. I was scared that I wouldn't die, that I was just going to live some prolonged life bedridden. And I didn't, was not psyched about that idea at well, 27 it, years it, old. No, I mean, you're, you're still trying to figure yourself out. In the world. Yeah. I mean, and this is, we, now, I'm and 34 you, and know nothing. I certainly didn't know anything at 27. Now, this happened. This, I'm just giving the dates. I, I know you told me the dates, but was this after Obama won? Or, yeah. So you're on a high of winning, mm-hmm. but then you get this mm-hmm. scenario. Okay. So at this point, do they try? Do you go see other specialists or? I mean, at that point in time, I was happy with my doctor my neurologist. I, I thought he was really, I will forever be in debt to him because I felt like the way he handled it, he was younger. Um, you know, he just like, he was very calm and I was very not. And so from the very beginning, he would take my hysterical, hysterical calls and was just so cool about it and caring in a way that you really hope your doctor has that and some don't, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but he was both smart and compassionate and that is exactly what I needed at the time. So I was happy with my doctor, so I didn't have to switch my doctor, but I was, you know, going to see the doctor every three months. I was, um, you know, at that point in time, I had to have MRIs every six months. Um, and so, and I began the disease modifying drug, okay, at, at, which was a shot. So I had to give myself shots, which was a whole thing, a wow. whole thing. Wow. And, um, yeah, it just was a, it was a very interesting time of like, oh, this is how I have to take care of myself. Now, now how did your friends <clears throat> deal with it? Because everybody's 27, 28 mm-hmm. at this point. Some are, some of your friends might've gotten married at a young age. Mm-hmm. They have boyfriends. You're the single one. 
where's the support system at this point in your life? Where my friends were from? amazing. Okay. My friends were amazing. My parents were amazing. My sibling, you know, actually my sister and I were not super close growing up. You know, we're two and a half years apart. We're very different people. Um, but it brought us closer together. Um, my friends were amazing. Amazing. Um, I'm very, very, very fortunate to have like all of my best friends are from high school. Um, I know you and Garrett and your college crew, you guys are really like tight knit. And I think for a lot of people, like their college friends are, you know, adult friends of theirs. But for me, it's my high school friends and they are as close to family as anything. Um, so they were all really supportive, very supportive, but I had friends who, um, yeah, I had friends that were really freaked out. And that's what I'm thinking. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking at that age group, at age, like, are they still hanging out with you anymore? Are they being yeah, towards no, you or? No, they were all at, at that point in time, you know, there were people who would look at me and you could tell, like, they just felt bad you know, like they just felt bad for you or like, how does that make you feel? Oh, it was, you know, that it comes from a place of good, but at the same time, you don't want, you don't want to be treated like a broken bird because that's the last thing that you really want to feel. So, or be reminded of, um, so it was tough. It was definitely tough. And I will say I, like went through a very weird time during the summer where I was just, I just did not know how to handle it at all. And it, you know, at times I was very recluse that summer where I just like really didn't want to do anything. Um, but you know, it was just very odd. For, it was cause I felt like everybody wanted to talk about it and that was, and I didn't. Gotcha. So, folks, you know, we are learning about MS, and I'm learning about it myself. Uh, you know, growing up, I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm luckily you've been educating myself and others about it, you know, mm-hmm. Garrett's friends and whatnot. And this is a very important episode of the pod because I want people to understand it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And you have a young lady here who's excited, running the, run the, run the world, doing Obama campaign. High off the wind. About to get the Cadillac insurance. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert right there. <laughs> but, uh, and this happened. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this session up. And there's a part two. You want to stay tuned to that. Signing out. <laughs>